All right, welcome to another episode of the Bible and Life podcast. Once again, I am so glad that you're joining me on this episode. And in the midst of all the craziness that's going on in the world at the present time, I wanted to begin this episode by just offering a word of encouragement. This is traditionally called Holy Week. It's the week between Jesus' triumphal entry, culminating in his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. It is really the central week to the entire gospel story and into God's plan of redemption. And in the midst of this crazy season with the coronavirus and the difficulties and the disruptions that's causing, I can't help but think about Jesus' words recorded in John 16. It's the night before he is crucified. Jesus gathered with his disciples and he says to them, In this world you will have trouble, you will have hardship and difficulty, but take courage. I have overcome the world. And that is good news, my friends, and that's true today as every day, even in the midst of this craziness, Jesus is in charge, Jesus is king, and he has overcome the world so we can have peace, we can have hope, and we can have courage even today. So may that encourage you in the midst of this time. One quick announcement before we jump into the conversation with Brad today is this, that I have been working on creating an audio commentary on the New Testament, the listener's commentary to the New Testament, for quite some time, talking about it for a while. I'm ready to launch with the first two volumes of that, Philippians and Galatians. That's going to launch later this week. If you want to swing over to listenerscommentary.com, you can actually put your name and email address into a little form there so that you'll get notified both when it launches this week as well as when new uh, volumes are released in the future. So that's listenerscommentary.com. That'll be the website for this audio commentary, really just walking through books of the New Testament, helping you understand those. So that's coming later this week. You might check that out as well. I'm super excited about that and how it can help people really understand the Bible. All right, last week we aired part one of my conversation with Brad Gray. I really enjoyed our conversation together. Brad is the founder and host of Walking the Text and the teaching series where he teaches the text of the Bible on both a podcast as well as YouTube. And so you can check out Brad Gray at walkingthetext.com and you can look at his Bible teaching resources and Bible teaching ministry there. And in part two today, we're going to jump into... Uh, the Old Testament, the Old Testament law a little bit, and why Brad thinks that Leviticus is one of the most revolutionary books in the ancient world. We're going to talk about uh, what to do if you feel like, man, I'm just a little afraid that I might be interpreting the Bible wrongly, and, and how we should engage with the text of Scripture in that. And be sure to stick around to the very end of this episode, where you'll learn some fun facts about Brad himself, and just kind of get to know him a little bit more. So with that, let's jump into Part two of my conversation with Brad Gray from walkingthetext.com. All right, let's 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 maybe tackle a question or two, a specific question or two. I've got to, you know, been wrestling with some kind of listener questions about the Bible and some of their frustrations yeah. and struggles. And uh, how you feeling about your Old Testament? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love the Old Testament. Awesome. Yeah, I I I love it. 
<laughs> That's good. Well, several of the several of the people said, man, their greatest frustration with the Bible, their greatest struggle and difficulty with the Bible is just the Old Testament law. And yes, it feels well, obviously it feels so different from the world we live in, but feels even so different from the New Testament in so many right. ways. Right. And, and all these, I mean, just start with the law itself and you have clean and unclean and you have all these rituals and this sacrifice does this and that sacrifice does that. And oh, it's just, it's like, and you know, you get through, Le, you know, Leviticus and it's like, okay, that's right. my cure for insomnia. What do I do now? You know? And yeah, so, exactly. It just can feel so daunting, so boring, so confusing. So like, why was this really even necessary? Like how <laughs> right, does this even right. fit in with Jesus, <laughs> you know? So what, what are maybe some things that we need to understand as people in the modern West, particularly to, to help us understand, like, what is this all about? What, help us make sense of the Old Testament law. Right, exactly. Well, here's one of the biggest uh, foundation pieces that if I think people can grasp, it helps them uh, to navigate through particularly all of the, the, the sacrifices, you know, so let's just take, as you brought it up, Leviticus, for example, um, you know, depending upon when this gets aired, if people have decided to read through the Bible in a year, um, they're either in Leviticus or past Leviticus, you know, at this point. And maybe some people bowed out because they were in the middle of Leviticus <laughs> yeah. and it was like, Genesis, I can, Genesis is great. Exodus is fantastic. The last 16 chapters with the, you know, the tabernacle can be a little bit laborious. It's a lot of repetition. Um, but then you get into Leviticus, you know, like, what is up with all the bloods and, you know, guts and sacrifices and all of that. And, you know, Leviticus is one of the most revolutionary books in the entire Bible. And the reason for that is that when you go back to an ancient understanding um, of the people, and not the Israelite people, but just the ancients as a whole, their fundamental understanding of the world is that everything was governed by gods and goddesses. And there's a whole history to how religion developed and, and how, you know, they began to associate, um, you know, gods and goddesses with uh, the workings out of what happens here on earth. Um, but one of the fundamental understandings of the ancient world were, was that the gods and goddesses, um, that they were angry and that part of the ancients responsibility was to appease their anger or to curry their favor. And somehow in order to bend their favor in your direction, you had to do something dramatic. You had to do something really drastic in order to show your allegiance to the gods and goddesses in order to get their attention so that their favor would be bent in your direction or the gods would be happy enough to prevent natural disasters or famine or earthquakes or, you know, and all of these were associated with gods and goddesses in the ancient world. And so the problem that the ancients ran into is that you never knew where you stood in relationship to the gods and goddesses. So it so, became very unpredictable. Very unpredictable. Yeah. And the yeah. god, he, he may be angry today. He's feeling good today. Where, yeah. Where do I fit? Where do I stand? Yeah. And so you may have a really great crop one year and offer, you know, a significant part of your crop to the gods and goddesses as an offering of thanksgiving and then next year experience famine and go well apparently i didn't offer enough last year right. i've angered the gods and goddesses in some way and so you never knew where you stood and so this is not only well documented in ancient history this is also documented in the bible when israel was going astray from the very heart of god 
is that where this led to is that in order to show your allegiance to the god or goddesses, you had to demonstrate to what level you are willing to go to sacrifice to the gods. And that eventually got to child sacrifice. That the way to demonstrate, you know, that you were serious with the gods and goddesses is that you offered the most significant thing to you. And it happens with a couple of the kings of Israel. It happens with the people of Israel. Even God goes, that ever even crossed my mind that you would do that. But understand the impetus behind that. You don't know where you stand in relationship to the gods. So if you can offer the most significant thing you have, then there is nothing else that you say that you could do in order to demonstrate your allegiance to the gods and goddesses. So how now, does Leviticus address that? Exactly. Leviticus opens and God goes, if you do this, here's what you got to do. And we're fine. You are always know, you, you know exactly where you stand in relationship to God. So you're never wondering, well, do I have to do more? The fact that God lays out the specifics of it allowed the Israelites to have confidence that if I have done something wrong and I offer the sacrifice, I'm now in good standing with God and I don't have to have that mental exhaustion and emotional exhaustion of, well, what more do I need to do to appease you know, this God? Because God did not function like the other gods. God is not a God that needs to be appeased. In fact, multiple times God says, I don't need your sacrifices. You need your sacrifices. You need to know that sin is serious, that it has massive ramifications, that it is ultimately destructive. And so for the sacrificial system itself, it helped the people of God to recognize just how devastating sin is and brokenness is in the world. And that through that sacrificial system, one, you knew that you were right in right relationship with God. And two, it served as this warning for you to want to live your life different because that's not something God needed to appease his anger. It was a system that God set up so that the people could know that they were in right standing with him. Yeah. What about clean and unclean and all the food laws and those ritual clean and unclean laws? How do those function? Yeah. So one of the big things that God was trying to do with Israel was that they were a holy nation. They were set apart. Um, they were supposed to uh, look different. They were supposed to function differently. Um, they were supposed to just be very different than the rest of the world. Um, in, in many ways, God was teaching them, you know, in some cases, you know, depending on, there's so many different laws, right? Yeah, and there's, right. I mean, there's 613. So depending upon which ones we're dealing with, um, some are just really good, basic sanitary instructions. Yeah. Um, you know, in some cases, it is, um, well, how you do this is diametrically different, you know, than what the Philistines would do or the Egyptians would do. And it is in its own right, uh, its own theological statement about who God is and what it means to be the people of God. Um, in other cases, it's God going, I just want to set you apart. You are not to be like the other nations. If you are like everyone else, then you have nothing to offer them. And God's whole goal was that through Israel to reconcile the entire world, you know, to himself. And so some of them we look at and we go, ah, oh, that's just ridiculous. 
Well, when you jump into those laws and what was going on in the cultures around, um, you'll be able to see, oh, this is huge. Like this has, this has significant ramifications about how people are treated and, um, you know, what it means to, you know, deal with animals in this way that's, you know, we would say would be much more, you know, in tunes to, uh, you know, valuing, you know, uh, the animal and also just the idea of, of blood and life and, you know, all those pieces just kind of come together. So you got to kind of take each of those commands on kind of a case by case basis, but it was to set Israel apart. Um, it was to teach them, you know, in some cases, just obedience to God and what it means to be formed and shaped by God's word even if we don't even always understand exactly what God is asking us to do. Yeah. And we, we may struggle. There may be some of those laws. We just, I don't fully get that. I mean, even with all yeah. our understanding, but cause we, mm-hmm. we don't fully know the, the context and the background and what was the right. purpose of that. And so there's some that are going to be hard, but I, I do think it's really important for us to, to realize that one of the major purposes of like the clean and unclean was this sort of almost like a giant object lesson of saying, you're a holy nation. You're different yeah. from the nations around you. You're not supposed to be be like them. You're supposed to stand out and be set apart from them. You know, and I right. think just having that framework can help us. Okay, we at least put them in their place a little bit. Exactly. You know? Yeah. These, exactly. These had a purpose and a purpose for the sake of Israel. You know, and right. I was actually reflecting on the clean and unclean and the food laws a little bit with regard to that, and then all of a sudden it struck me that. Uh, Acts uh, chapter 10 and 11 and the great white sheet vision that Peter has and Peter arise and eat and Peter like I've never eaten anything unclean Lord no and Peter arise and eat I've never eaten anything unclean that's not arbitrary and that's not accidental right because part of the purpose of the clean and unclean laws was to set Israel apart from the nations and here God's point in getting Peter to arise and eat is no I want you to go preach the gospel to the nations that we're not separate from the nations anymore and so yeah that's there's a very clear connection there with Peter's vision of the clean and unclean animals and going to the Gentiles because of the whole purpose of the clean and unclean animals in the old Testament. Exactly. Exactly. And part of too, with the older Testament and it's Jesus's Bible. Yeah. You know, it's Paul's Bible and everything that Jesus is doing is interacting with the biblical story. You know, and so the whole Bible is pointing toward, you know, to Jesus from, from the very beginning, everything involved in it, it's, it's pointing to Jesus. And because Jesus is, is coming to continue the story, to take it to its epic moment in human history, everything Jesus is teaching, he is pulling from the Hebrew scriptures. He's pulling from, you know, uh, the, the the clean and unclean laws, especially when he's interacting, you know, with lepers and, you know, all of these are factoring into what Jesus is doing because Jesus is intentionally demonstrating that he is the fulfillment of the story, that he is taking it to its culmination, that everything that God has been doing, he has come to continue that story. And the more that we understand the Hebrew scriptures, the Older Testament, the more we understand uh, the narrative flow and what's unfolding and why it's unfolding, the more we're going to understand exactly what Jesus was up to in his life and in his ministry. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. And I think that just that emphasis on story, I, I think for so long, so many people have read the Bible almost atomistically where it's like, Oh, we got this verse, we got this book, we got these things. And we miss the big 
story yes. of the whole thing and yeah learning to read the bible as a as a big one big story culminating in jesus is just so critical would you what what it guess what what tip what advice would you say here here's one thing that can really help you be able to read the bible in its whole story context yeah well this has been um a huge passion of mine for a number of years just because you know i grew up in a largely christian context and i never understood the narrative of the Bible, yeah. um, and 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 I kind of give the uh, the, the metaphor of um, you know when my wife and I go to see a movie, um, I'm one of those people that I want to show up. You know, if it's a six thirty you know start, I want to be there before six thirty. You know, I like the previews. I like you know getting all you know warm. But my wife's like, ah, we, it's twenty five minutes long. We can just get there whenever. I'm like, oh no no no, we have to be there because I want to get a good seat. You know, it's expensive to go to the theater. Uh, but, you know, one of the things that we would both agree on is that we don't want to show up into the film 20 minutes late. You know, everybody agrees, whether you're going to want to be there for previews or not. And yet, I think for many of us, we read the Bible and we've shown up 45 minutes into the film. And there are certain things that we can figure out because, you know, the storyline can lend itself to that. But when you see the, and experience the Bible, you know, from beginning to end, um, it changes everything. So actually one of the things that I get the privilege of doing is that when I go and speak at churches and conferences, um, I do now, it's, it's about an hour and 45 minutes long, but it is uh, a teaching on the entire Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22. Uh, there's actually a 73-minute version um, at walkingthetext.com called The Restoration of All Things, where um, I basically lay out this is the story from the very first sentence, the very first verse to the very last. And here's where all the major characters fit in. Here's how Jesus is doing what he is doing. Um, so if it's helpful to your audience, that's one of the things, because I had never found anything like that. Yeah. And so, and it was really fun because uh, I got to do it on a 60 foot wide LED screen that was 19 feet tall. And so when we start the teaching, there's a timeline that shows up that's just a line. And in the 73 minutes, we fill the entire LED screen and people can then download for free the graphic yeah. that's associated with that. So that would be one thing, just because I'd never found anything um, that you could do, you know, less than a feature length film to understand <laughs> the greatest story in human history. Uh, the second thing that I would recommend is that um, perhaps you've, you've, you've talked about this group with your audience, but the Bible Project, um, yeah. or most recently they dropped the, now it's just the <laughs> Bible Project. Yeah. Um, they are doing the most fantastic job in helping people to visually see the literary design of every book of the Bible and the whole Bible um, as a whole. And so at BibleProject.com, you know, they've got, as you know, these these you know seven to eight minute animated films where it starts off with a completely blank slate, and by the end of the seven you know to nine minutes, the entire book that you're looking at has been graphically animated with some of the best animators in the world to show you visually how the book is designed. Uh, but they also have two other videos on the entire Old Testament. And they do the same thing, and they have one on the New Testament as well. And so those are maybe 10 or 12 minutes long, but it just helps you just to go, oh, I see where this thing is going. Because once you can understand the overarching story, then you don't get lost in the pieces right. within. Yeah, yeah. And that's so important. I, 
my my Bible survey course that I have on my website. That's the whole point is that is here's the big story of the Bible. Here's yes. all the chapters in the story. And then here's how every book fits into those chapters. So you at least have the flow. Oh, it's fantastic. That's a great resource. Yeah. Great so resource. no, I, I had the privilege of interviewing Tim Mackey on the podcast a few months ago from the Bible Project. Yeah. And, and you know, just good, good guy. They're doing great work. It is a tremendous resource that they're making available to the world. <laughs> it is. And everything they do is free. So yeah. For- you know, that's, that's what's, uh, free to, us. You, free to us, free to us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. costs a lot to produce, but free to oh us. Oh my goodness. It does. It does. But yeah, yeah. It's, that's the thing that's been so great is that they've just made that so accessible, um, you know, yeah. to people. And when people are moved by quality work like that, people jump in and give and, you yeah. know, so it's been a, been fun watching just them do what they're doing and, yeah. Just how how God has used that organization to impact millions and millions of people all over the world. Pretty impressive. It is, yeah. Another question I had. This totally. This is sort of a different kind of question. I had a gal who just said, "Man, I I know I should know the context of the Bible, and I know there's a lot of work to be done. So my biggest struggle with the Bible is I'm afraid I'll interpret it wrong." Yeah. I mean, that's her biggest. It's like, so now all of a sudden I'm paralyzed by what if I what if I what if I get it wrong? So like, yeah. what kind of pastoral advice would you give to someone who's like got this angst about, okay, I know there's background stuff. I know there's culture stuff. I know I don't understand it all. I'm kind of afraid to even make a decision about what the text means. Because sure. of this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, and, and I'm grateful for people like that who recognize, Hey, we, we want to rightly handle the word of truth and, and to be able to do that well. So what, what I typically say to people is, you know, when you come to the scriptures, the first thing I recommend when anybody is studying is I, I don't necessarily want them to be reading commentaries about what other people have written. Because immediately you're now reading that passage through the eyes of someone else. Uh, now, I do think something like if you're going to sit down and, and read a passage or a book of the Bible the Bible project is fantastic because it frames for you what you're going to be reading, which is actually going to be helpful because they're not shading your eyes one way or another. They're just saying, here's how it's designed. Here's how it works. Now you go dig in and figure out the details for yourself. Um, is I want people to, to look at the text through their, through their own eyes and their own experiences and what they have seen and what they have heard and, and, and what they understand at that moment. But then based on the interpretations that you are drawing, now it's a really important step to look at credible resources that can help to validate or pivot you know, your interpretation to see, am I in good standing? Um, especially if it's something that's a little bit more fringe. I mean, there's certain things that everybody knows, you know, what um, historic Christianity has held to be true, but when you're trying to figure out some other pieces, um, you know, trying to be able to look at the eyes through some really credible scholars is a really significant thing to do. Yeah. 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 And I think that, what about, what's your opinion about like just devotional reading of the Bible where it's like, okay, I, I know there's study. I know I need to understand this, but I, I also want to engage the text so that I can engage with God through the reading of the text. How, how yeah. do you encourage people in that direction? Yeah. Well, I think that there are lots of different ways uh, to engage with the Bible. You know, I think that there are times where it's just really great just to sit down and read the entire book of Acts, 
and just get the flow, get the feel, watch for the words that pop, the key things. I mean, when you just sit down and you read a book, um, you know, or one of Paul's letters from beginning to end, I mean, these writers are not sitting down and haphazardly throwing things together. There is a structure, there is a design, there is an intentionality. And I think that there is great power to just reading, to just listen and engage God's word, whether it's you're reading the Bible in a year or for some who do, you know, read the entire Bible in three months. I think that there's a significant value to reading the Bible just to understand, you know, just to be aware of what's there. Right. I think it's just as valid to read the Bible as slow as you possibly can, you know, to come to a chapter and read that chapter over and over again, or choose the first 10 verses and just read them over and over again and ask questions like, why do I need to know that? You know, why is that there? Um, Oh, that's interesting. I've never really seen that. And that comes when you're reading slow. And so I think that there are lots of different ways. Um, You know, I'm much more of, I'd rather have people be in the word of God for 15 minutes every day than say, hey, you need to be studying for an hour or two hours. (laughs) I mean, I, I think that there's great value to prioritizing your life and your schedule in such a way that you allow God's word to sit at the center of your life and that you do get into it and, um, and engage it. But what, what, what I'm not necessarily a a huge fan of, um, are devotional books that you can read in a minute and it's got one verse and it's taken out of context and a story is given. And then there's, you know, a one sentence prayer. I don't, I, I don't mean that derogatorily. I think that that's a great supplement to your Bible reading, but to be the sole source of food that you're consuming on a daily basis to engage with God's word. um, There's just, I think more God wants us to get out of his word than a 60 second reading of a devotional. And and again, (laughs) and, and again, I think that there are some great ones out there. There, there are ones that I have worked through but not as replacement to reading God's word, but as a supplement of going, okay, let me snag somebody's great story and great thought because it is great. Yeah. But it, but alone it's uh, you're, you're malnourished. (laughs) Yeah. It's like living off the vitamin pill and not actually eating breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I think, you know, it's just not going to cut it for us. So. Right. Right. All right. Total shift of gears. Sure. Kind of, we shift down towards the end of things here. Uh, Fast and fun facts with Brad Gray. Okay. All right. Yes. Favorite activity to do for fun. Uh, Running. Running. Distance running. Um, I try to run about 20 miles a week. So I, I go out for typically like two, five milers and a 10 miler during the week. Um, I try to, I try to lift on the other days, but um, that's my that's my time of either decompression or thinking or and and I and I'm never on a treadmill. I can't do a treadmill. I have to be outside. Yeah, uh, it just snowed here uh, last week when we're you know we're recording this, and as soon as the heavy snowflakes came down, it was like it was early in the morning. It was like it's time for a run. We're getting outside. If it's pouring <laughs> down rain, I want to go run. If it's snowing, it's it's running. I just. I really enjoy uh, just being out in nature. Um, 
you know, even if the weather's basis. bad, I, the worse the weather, the more fun it is. That must be like a Michigan holdover. It is. <laughs> it is. It was. I posted a photo of, of being in the snow. Um, and uh, yeah, one of one of my friends posted, you know, you can take the boy out of Michigan. Dot, dot, yeah. Dot, you know, so. All right. If I ever visit Nashville, where should I eat? Ooh, okay. Um, it depends on what specifically you're looking for, but I'll give you our, our two top favorites. Um, one is just a fun taco joint in 12 South. So uh, it's called Bar Taco. So lovely place, just very unique. It's just a, a really fun part of, of Nashville. Um, and then typically because people, when they come, uh, they like mar or they like barbecue. So downtown Nashville, uh, Martin's Barbecue and Jack's are two really great barbecue places uh, okay. to check out. Yeah, all right. Yeah, well, never made it to Nashville. My mom used to live outside of Nashville. Never made it there. But uh, if I ever make it there, it's one place I haven't been. Now I know where to eat. Yep, so that's it good. Has to be. It's a good place. Uh, Detroit Lions in Michigan or Tennessee Titans since Nashville. Oh, well, uh, I've, I, it's more Tennessee Titans. I was, I don't know. I'm sorry for anybody who may be connected to the Lions listening to this. Um, but, uh, yeah, much more Tennessee Titans, uh, the church that I attend, there's some, you know, some Titans there as well. And if you live in Nashville, you know, uh, and they had a great year this year. So, yeah. so yeah, it's actually, it's the Titans, but for me, it's, it's also actually the, uh, the Buffalo Bills. So I've had oh, really? a chance to, um, invest in, in the team and speak to the team in the last couple of seasons. And, um, oh, really? how did that connection be, come about? You know, it was, um, somebody had been listening and uh, watching the teaching series and knew the chaplain, uh, the Buffalo bills called him up one day and said, Hey, are you familiar with walking the text? And so he started to, uh, to watch them on a, at that point it was, uh, for our first two years, we just started going to every other, Tuesday, but we were released him every Tuesday for the first, uh, for nearly the first two years. And so he was watching them week weekly, passing them along to the players and then, um, got connected together and got to come out and speak to the team and been doing that the last couple of years. And, nice. uh, yeah, so it's just, it's fun. Some other players are, um, by the time this thing airs, we'll have already gone through our, our Israel trip, but we've got, uh, some, some players from the, the NFL that are joining us on this. Very most cool. recent uh, Israel trip. So yeah, so it's we're I'm a Titans fan. I'm uh I'm a Bills fan. I've got a good buddy who plays for the Minnesota Vikings. So I'm a Vikings fan. So it's just <laughs> you're just a football fan. <laughs> I just I just I love sports. I love yeah. sports. So yeah. yeah, that's awesome. A perfect day for Brad Gray would be up early in the morning. I'm a morning person. So if I can get a couple of hours in um, to just uh, sit, uh, to think, to, to, to pray, I'm typically reading something of educational value. I just love to learn. I'm a learner. So if I'm in front of our, we've got a, a gas fire and uh, it's quiet and it's dark and I can read and the fire's going, um, I'm, I'm a happy soul. And then uh, getting up and being able to spend time with my kids. It's just, they're at a fun age. We love playing basketball. We love playing, you know, anything and everything outside. So if I can have my own personal time, I'm an introvert through and through. I love people, but I love my own quiet time. That's an anchoring part of my day. 
Um, if I can get a good workout in, typically a good run in, get some time with my kids, um, some time with my wife, and that's that's like an ideal day for me. If I can yeah. be outside, be with family, have my own personal time, it has no place I'd rather be. When I go on these trips to the Middle East or speaking engagements, I just say, hey, the only other place that I would want to be is with my family. Outside of that, I love being able to to get out and do all the adventures that we get to do. Awesome. That's great. So uh, where can people find you? How can they, how can they connect with Brad Gray here? Yes. So at uh, walking the text is our social media handle for Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and then walking the text.com is where they can pick up, um, you know, anything and everything that we're creating and, and like the Bible project, we're a crowdfunded uh, organization that uh, we've, provide everything we can uh, for free outside of, you know, can't take people to Israel and Turkey, you know, for free, <laughs> but uh, all the resources that we're doing that we're, we're creating there. And then um, the other place would be to, um, if they're interested, is to check out infusionbibleconference.com. So every year we do a three-day crash course on context, uh, a national uh, conference, and every year we choose a new subject matter to be able to tackle and this June, we're going to be in West Michigan tackling Paul and his Roman world. So, you know, half of the New Testament, Paul is uh, is attributed to Paul, and Paul can be very difficult at times. And the, the big issue isn't Paul, it's us, and not recognizing that he's operating within a Roman context. So we're going to be be tackling that. So there's a small link at Walking the Text, but if people are interested in how can I get a crash course, you know, in context and not have to go to the Middle East, or I can't afford that right now. Um, infusionbibleconference.com is a great place. And then personally, if anybody's on social media, I'm just at Brad Gray, G-R-A-Y 99. So uh, Brad Gray 99 on all social media platforms for everything I do personally. Awesome. Very good. Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast, Brad. It's great to have you. Thanks for your insights into the text and uh, look forward to keep chatting with you. Hey, John, thanks so much for having me. Greatly appreciate it. All right. All right. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Bible and Life podcast. As always, this is a listener-supported show made possible by the generosity of people just like you. So thank you to each and every one of you who support the Bible and Life, whether through my Patreon channel over at patreon.com slash John Whitaker or through World Family Mission. Your support means the world to me. So thanks a ton. And if you I want to get involved and become a partner and a supporter of Bible and Life. Feel free to check out the links to both the Patreon channel and to World Family Mission there in the notes down below. God bless you guys, and I look forward to talking with you again soon.